Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at BrightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. We'd also like to thank Helping Hands and OSA EMR for their support of the show. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Hey, Sharon. Good afternoon. Welcome to Beyond the Mask. Wow, you make me sound like I'm a guest today. I know. I know. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you're the guest, sometimes I'm the guest. You know, mm-hmm. that's the way it works here. So, but today we've got a great guest, we and you know, I couldn't guest. wait to get out of work to come and do this interview today. Yeah, I know you're excited about this one. I, you know, we've talked about this before, and uh, I think it's going to be a great, great topic. And you know, we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship in in a way, which is you know one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, and educating CRNAs on maybe how they can transition into a certain segment. Um, and I won't be the spoiler here, but let me introduce our guest. Uh, we have Miss Marianne Trice with us today. Welcome, Marianne. Hi, Jeremy and Sharon. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm really honored to be here and share my journey with you. So, yeah, speaking of journeys, you know, Marianne, I've known you for quite a while now, and uh, I will never forget when you called me up and said, hey, Dave and I are packing up, we're moving across the country, we're selling our place in Virginia, and we're moving to Seattle. And, uh, you know, the rest is history, so... The rest is history. So yes, it's probably not a surprise that I'm a bit of a risk taker. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, you shocked me. I I, I couldn't believe wow. that. But you know, hey. Did you always know that about yourself? Yes, actually. Yes. <laughs> um, so, well, you must have one. You must have married one, or either he just trusts you. He trusts me. Yeah. Okay, so he's not one. He just trusts you. Uh, he he likes to step out of his comfort zone, but he's a little more comfortable in routine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Well, Marianne, if you don't mind, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and your background and so forth. Okay. Well, I have been a registered nurse for over 30 years now, and I started my anesthesia journey about 15 years ago. Prior to anesthesia, I worked almost exclusively, it was about 15 years in neurosurgery, neurotrauma. So that was my background. And I found an interest in anesthesia on a medical mission trip to Guatemala. And talking about the best kept secret of anesthesia, I worked at Virginia Commonwealth University, which lots of people know in the anesthesia world. And I had worked in the ICU on the floor for years, and I went on a medical mission trip with the neurosurgical team with a pediatric anesthesiologist, and um, he allowed me to intubate and do some things on the medical mission trip. And he was trying to talk me into becoming an anesthesiologist. And at the time, I was about 30 years old. I had two little kids, and I just said, 
I can't do that. I mean, it would take me eight, nine years. I'd be 41, 42 when I graduated. That would be insane. That would be ridiculous. And he said, how about nurse anesthesia? And I said, what's that? <laughs> and I just want you to know that. Oh, I'm- my God. An <laughs> anesthesiologist got. Well, that's my story, too. Same thing happened. An anesthesiologist told me about nurse anesthesia. Yeah. What was interesting is that I worked at VCU where almost every time I was in the ICU, um, it was a nurse anesthetist who came up and intubated when we had a patient crashing or delivered a patient from the operating room. But in my entire nursing career, no one ever introduced themselves as a nurse anesthetist. They just said anesthesia. And I just had no idea. Uh, it's not the best kept secret anymore. I have high schoolers telling me they want to be nurse anesthetists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've done a much better job as of late mm-hmm. educating around that for sure. So, yeah. So, all right. So, you moved out to Seattle, and what did you do when you got there? Well, a nice, interesting transition for me is that I had always worked in the uh, care team model in Virginia. Not that there are not independent uh, opportunities. I did a little bit of 1099 um, GI work while I was in Virginia. But when I moved out to Washington, I worked at a hospital that's independent practice. And that really was quite a change for me. I had to get a DEA license. I was considered part of the medical staff and I was responsible for my patients. And that feeling is very different when you've done the care team for a long time. It's one thing to look over a physical review and lab works and being the person responsible for ordering the tests and the lab work and managing a patient in the recovery room is something I never had training for. Hmm. So I had no idea what to order for pain control or delirium or what was better, Haldol or Ativan, what was the best choice? I had no idea. Luckily, we did have some standing orders, which at least helped me get started. Um, But it it was also an interesting journey into um, independent practice because Washington State is full practice authority state for CRNAs and ARMPs. So it's a great state for um, independent practice. So that was an interesting journey. And um, so why did you choose Washington State? Was that the reason why you chose Washington State? Well, I'm afraid the answer is no. (laughs) The reason for Washington State is because it is the most beautiful state on the planet. If you've not been out this way, it is just perfection. In fact, we try to keep that a secret because Mm -hmm. we don't want too many people to move out here. It's never too hot. It's never too cold. Snow-capped mountains, water and ocean everywhere. Hiking, biking. It's my happy place. (laughs) Ah, That's the way I feel about North Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and Marianne, I I often use you as an example without your name. Um, But the W2 1099 issue at that particular hospital. Absolutely. So Marianne moved out, and, you know, we were looking at this opportunity she had, and it was going to be either W2 or 1099. They gave her the choice. You know, and historically, you know, most of the time when that happens, I would say 99% of the time, the 1099 side is going to come out dramatically better. But at this particular facility and with the offer they gave Marianne, the 1099 and the W-2 pay were the exact same. And I have not found this again uh, since then, but I often use that as an example when we're talking about that because, you know, when you're transitioning from W-2 to 1099, you're giving up stuff. You're giving up the match in your 401k or 403b. You're giving up health insurance. You're giving up FICA matches. You're giving up vacation and PTO and disability and your malpractice. And, you know, when I started looking at this for Marianne, I was like, um, you need to stay W-2. Um, and it was, it's just interesting. I haven't run into that very often at all. So I always remember that. And again, I don't say you by name, but you know, I, I do use that as an example. So that was something that was different about your journey than, um, I've had in 20 plus years of doing this. 
Yeah, it, it was very interesting. But in this state, it, they viewed it, at least at this particular hospital, that they felt it was an unfair advantage to encourage people to work 1099 by having the pay higher. Mm. So now I certainly understand why the pay should be higher if right. you're 1099. Yeah. But um, this is Washington State. That's true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> and you got the great long-term care plan out there now too. So, you know, we, we'll, I'll digress a little bit. All right. So, so now tell us about what you're doing in this new journey that you're on. Okay. Well, I have launched an aesthetics and wellness business that really began about three years ago. I had a colleague, CRNA, I'll give her a shout out to Ho. Hi too. If you're listening, she's moved to Texas. And she had started doing this uh, on the side, a little side gig is what I will call it. And what attracted me the most was her excitement, her enthusiasm, a creative outlet, which I, I do have some creativity in me. So I just was so intrigued with her coming to work so happy and energized and talking about extensive training she was going to but she also started talking to me about the business side and how we are lucky in Washington state with full practice authority because I am my own business owner. I don't need a medical director. I don't need a collaborative agreement. I am my medical director. Um, so that's not necessarily the case for uh, CRNAs in other states. Right. Um, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, later uh, into the program. But I also can serve as a medical director to an RN that wants to have a business or a medical esthetician. Um, so I also loved that she shared with me the ability to practice in multiple ways. You could do it mobily if you just wanted a little side gig and a little extra fun money. You could take the middle of the road route, which I took, renting a room in a space and launching a little business. Or you could really, the sky's the limit. You could be a multi-med spa owner if that's your goal. Um, so for me, it was like a field of dreams. I built it. And they are coming. And we'll talk about that some more. <laughs> so once you got started, you had to do some more training. You said that. So tell us a little bit about the training that you undertook. And I'm assuming there's still things that you're learning daily. Oh, yes, ma'am. It's a whole new career and you invest in it like a whole new career. So I'll tell you how I first got started. I, I took a course that uh, online course given by a CRNA in Michigan. Her name's Kelly Hermans. And she had a two continuing AANA continuing education credit course called the Intro to Aesthetics. And she talks quite a bit about the journey and the ability to have a business. Uh, she's in a more restrictive state. So she has to have a medical director and had to form a corporate, a different type of corporation, which we'll talk about later. Um, that, that was the first thing that piqued my interest. But unfortunately, COVID 2020 hit. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so my training options were becoming more and more limited. So I signed up for a local, I'll call it a big box aesthetics training course, American Medical Educators uh, Institute. And I signed up for that class. I was very excited. It was right in downtown Seattle. I took didactic online and I was um, going to have a one day hands on at a hotel down in Seattle. In the meanwhile, I found out another CRNA offers training in aesthetics, Suzanne Jagger, who's in Oregon. So I looked online and I wanted to check out her course. And her course was the same weekend that I was taking the big box training that I had already paid for. My hands-on was an all-day tox and filler beginner level course. Suzanne's course was the same day, but she, hers was a two-day course. So I reached out to Suzanne and said, look, I already paid for this one-day class. Can I come and take your class the second day? So I literally had my bags packed, went to the course, hopped in the car, drove to Oregon, and took Suzanne's class the next day. So I want to talk about that also because we have three CRNAs 
that I know of that do aesthetics training courses. And all of them offer CEs. And the training from the CRNAs was far, far superior. That was going to be my next question. Since you had the comparison, I would imagine. The pharmacology, the physiology, the depth of understanding and expertise was just incomparable, incomparable. Mm -hmm. Um, Even when I see in Facebook groups where people are discussing the cost, of course, it I think their courses may be a little bit more than the big box, but this is an investment in a career you are investing in pay the money. (laughs) Um, So I, if, if it's okay, I would love to shout out our three CRNA entrepreneur business owners, because there are probably lots of CRNAs that may be listening to this. They're interested. Oh, absolutely. Um, And and Miriam, what we'll do too is um, if you'll shoot me that information, I'll make sure we put it in the show notes. So if uh, people are listening and they want to go down this, this route, um, they'll have someone that they can reach out to and you, of course. So. Okay. Sure. Yes, of course. I'm happy to chat with anyone. Um, And it could be possible that I may start doing some trainings as well. Maybe not this type of training, maybe more individual Mm -hmm. uh, shadow type training. But um, Kelly Hermans is in uh, Michigan. Um, She has Beautify Academy and she does didactic training for basic fillers and Botox. And her course is in Michigan. And she offers AANACEs. Uh, that's the other plug for these folks. And another reason I went to Suzanne's class, my current employers paid for my training in aesthetics. How do you like that with nice. my education money? Nice. <laughs> All right. And the so, 1099 people can write it off. You right? got it. You right? got it. So Suzanne Jagger, uh, I took her course. She is with Aura Academy, A-U-R-A. Um, she is in Portland, Oregon, but Suzanne also will travel to you. So if you're a CRNA and you get a couple friends, I apologize, they don't know the minimum number, maybe four or five folks that are all interested, she will travel to you and teach the course in your city. Um, and her course also, A-A-N-A-C-E's. And Cassie Lane is a CRNA in Richmond, Virginia. And there are two things I'm going to say about Cassie. So Cassie has an incredible educational blog. If you are just thinking, hey, I think I might want to do aesthetics, I highly recommend going to her blog, which is uh, Injectables EDU. And lots of information, how to get started, what do you need, how do I get a medical director, lots of basic information, and it's all free on her blog. Um, She just launched a course, and it's AANP credits. So it's through the Nurse Practitioner Association. So we have three wonderful trainers and entrepreneurs themselves in their own rights. I really feel a little humbled that I'm the one do I'm the one doing the podcast and we have these uh, experts. I also will give a shout out because I did add a little bit of IV therapy um, and obviously learning about entrepreneurship to Jason Duprat CRNA um, because I do listen to his podcast and I did take an intro IV therapy course uh, from him as well. So there's another CRNA entrepreneur. So yep. we have a lot of resources. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So Marianne, in starting all this and going through the training, what would you say was kind of your biggest challenge or hurdle in, in doing this business? Oh my gosh, Jeremy, where can I start? <laughs> Everything business, 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 business. That's why I have a job, Marianne. That's good. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yes. So, I mean, In my history, in my life, I'm 56 years old. Uh, I was a W-2 employee my whole life. So truly everything, setting up a PLLC, making a business plan, setting up my QuickBooks, having a bookkeeper, don't even get me started on this, on the wild, wild world of social media. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I outsource that. Um, And I've made some costly mistakes. So I'll tell you one mistake, if it's okay, about setting up my PLLC and how 
I called Jeremy Stanley and CRNA <laughs> financial planning to help me. I was in a lot of CRNA entrepreneur blogs and everyone said, oh, don't pay someone to set up your LLC. You can do this yourself. It's super cheap. You'll save lots of money. So I went on some, I don't know, Zen business or something. And I set up my LLC and I paid all this money to get this all established. And then I found out after I filled out all the forms that I needed to be a PLLC in Washington state because it's considered medical. I paid all that money for nothing. So I called Jeremy and I said, I'm not going to make that mistake again. And Jeremy and CRNA financial planning swooped in, took care of everything. Uh, Jeremy is my financial advisor. So it also didn't break the bank to do all that. Um, But it was really a great help with the business. So I do, I have learned, we'll get to that about outsourcing things that are not in my repertoire. And we I'm sure we'll talk about that. Yeah. Upcoming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, CRNAs think they're good at everything. So sometimes we're not really good at recognizing (laughs) what we're not good at. (laughs) Because CRNAs are the smartest people I know. Let me qualify that. And they know so many different things. I've always said you can't fill them up because they are so smart. So, but sometimes that can be our downfall. So let's talk about you started your business during a pandemic. I mean, nobody can foresee a pandemic, of course. So what was the market for aesthetics during that? And is there competition in the industry? And how do you decide where to put your place? And, you know, is it like McDonald's? They do demographic data of the area or just give us give us some some pointers. Well, I will say, yes, indeed, I did start my business during the pandemic. I had been furloughed, uh, which I think also offered an opportunity for me that I'd never had since I worked full time every day of my life since I was 21 years old. So it gave me that opportunity to slow down and think. And this was really brewing in the back of my mind a little bit anyway, because like I said, about two, three years prior to this, I was thinking about aesthetics. I had our granddaughter with us. We had some family situations over that summer as well. And she left and I knew that I needed to be more available because we have some family situations going on. And literally we put her on the plane to send her home. Well, we took her home. And when we came back, I said, that's it. I'm doing this. I need more schedule flexibility. The pandemic has taught me what I want to prioritize. One of my biggest lessons is that every yes that we say is a no to something else. And are we prioritizing where we want to say our yeses. Mm -hmm. I can't say that in my previous life, I practiced that very well. I said a lot of yeses and no to things that were of greater importance to me. So that's maybe it's 56 year old wisdom. (laughs) I don't know. But anyway, to answer, I like it. I like it. (laughs) To answer your question, Sharon, the market for aesthetics is booming booming. If you are thinking about it, now is the time, Sharon. Mm -hmm. Um, Currently, the market is $4.6 billion. The compound annual growth rate of 13.9% they are projecting from 2021 to 2028. So they are anticipating this business growing from 4.6 billion to 9.6 billion by 2026. Wow. Jeremy, you understand those numbers, don't you? Yeah, no, that's that's pretty daggone good. <laughs> so well, that's kind of following the baby boomers, right? That, yes, yes, and you because know because we're we're huge consumers. <laughs> the sure, baby boomers <laughs> sure are, and that's a great advantage of having a business because some product winds up in my own face. Um, oh, and then- <laughs> everybody listening can't see her, but I just. My jaw dropped when she said she was 56 because she looks fantastic. And and especially your grandma. And you look fantastic. (laughs) 
Well, I'll, I'll tell you, thank you. That is very kind of you. Um, but, uh, you know, talking about the pandemic and, and what it's done to this industry. So I, I would like to say that there are two sets of people, in, at least in Washington state. I can't speak for other states. So there are people who are really hurt by this pandemic, restaurant owners and small businesses. And yes, I did have to shut down my office initially. So I was closed. However, there's this other population, especially out here in Seattle, where there's Facebook and Microsoft and Google and all of these techie companies. Everybody worked from home. They weren't going out to dinner. They weren't going on their vacations. They weren't commuting and paying exorbitant Seattle parking fees. They suddenly had more disposable income than they'd ever had. And couple that with now they're on Zoom meetings and Microsoft team meetings, looking at their faces Mm -hmm. in ways that we don't normally do when we're at the office having a conversation with someone. We're not looking at ourselves in Zoom. So combine that with an excess in disposable income, it certainly highlighted those little places we might want little touches of youthful magic. Yeah. It was funny. We were out in Phoenix um, the other day and I was at a meeting and they had these little, it was a different meeting because the meetings, you know, didn't all happen in person. Some of them happened on our phone. They were doing virtual meetings, even though they were doing them there, but they had little health and wellness stations set up everywhere for us. You could get a back massage and chair massage. You could get um, they had people going around with paraffin wax doing whatever they do on your hands with the paraffin wax. And some lady was doing, I don't know what she called it. It was like a, a mini facelift or eye lift or something. And she had this little, um, I'm not sure what you call it, but it was like a little thing that she was sticking under people's eyes and put some lotion on it. And she's like, it's tightening up your eyes and all this stuff. And I mean, the men were flocking to this. I was shocked. I was like, wow, you know, they were waiting in line for all this. So it's not just women. Oh, Brotox is a thing, Jerry. Brotox. Brotox. Sharon, I'm going to have some Brotox. <laughs> yes, I mean, I had I have one male client in particular. He's a pretty high level exec, and he's not quite my age, but close. And he was up for a big promotion. And you know, men want to look a little more youthful, and they want to climb their career ladders as well. And uh, men are men are getting lip filler. Men are getting wow, really Botox. It's yes. Well, you looked at the at Biden whenever he was. <laughs> Campaigning for president. I mean, his forehead did not move. Yeah, I mean, they were they were jacking on his face. Absolutely. Remember, he he was tanned, and he he had he had been botoxed up. I noticed that immediately too. Uh I I told my husband, I'm like, I think he had a facelift. (laughs) (laughs) You know, me and facelifts usually don't look very well, and you know, I worked for a a fairly well-known plastic surgeon for 20 years. And I asked him why that is. And he said that the procedures were pioneered on female faces. And that's the reason why I'm sure it will, as more men go for facelifts, but they, Mm. they just don't look very well. I'm glad female facelifts look good though. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, because as I look in Zoom meetings, my face may look okay, but it's the neck. The neck. It's the neck. (laughs) I used to think that those older ladies when I was younger were wearing their Hermes scarves because they were being fashionable and chic. I think I know now why they all were wearing their little neck scarves. Get rid of the crease. By the way, it's, it's, it's Hermes. Oh, thank you. No. Thank you. I, I'm kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I did this. We had someone on. I'm pretty sure it's Hermes. <laughs> right. I got corrected very quickly on that. I didn't know how to say that, Marianne. And I was like, <laughs> and, and Dan's dog is named that. And I was like, how's Hermes doing? He's like, and Sharon, of course, busted out laughing at me too. So, you know. 
As a CRNA, you spend years preparing yourself for this career, so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn. The best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance. We've known disability income specialist Robert Smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 CRNAs over multiple decades. He can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan. All right, so now let's talk about income because you and I have kind of gone through this and we've looked at it a couple of times. Um, you know, it's one of my favorite topics to talk about. And that is one of the things that you and I have gone through is an exercise. Can I replace my CRNA income with aesthetics and still have freedom and set my own schedule and do it the way I want to on my own terms and so forth. So let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. Uh, yes. Is it possible? It's absolutely possible. However, it's not going to happen overnight. Right. It's likely not going to happen if what you want is a little mobile side business. I call that a little extra fun money. If you rent a space and you want to do friends, family, neighbors, you want to branch out a little more, have an office space, you can probably make a couple thousand a month. But the sky is the limit. And it takes a while to build a practice. So I can only speak for me and how it has grown for me. You tend to start out with Botox. One of the expressions in our industry is Botox gets them in the door. But it's the other return on investment procedures that make you your money. So the other thing that is important in this industry to understand is that the products are very expensive. So, I mean, just for a small example, I bought some neurotoxin this week. I bought 15 boxes of filler, um, 7,300 for the neurotoxin, 6,500 for the fillers. Wow. <laughs> um, and I mean, granted, you do make a nice return on investment on those. But if you buy, you know how the companies work, they want you to buy in bulk if you're going to be able to buy the products at a cheaper cost to you as the company. If I only bought two, well, then my return on investment isn't as great. Right. Um, and it takes a while to build to that. It takes a lot of hustles, a lot of hustle. Um, but I'll tell you why I think CRNAs are ideally suited for this industry. One, our skill and our expertise. We're very precise. We're all OCD. We're all perfectionists. We all are very skilled. And there's a lot of medical crossover where our skills come in handy. There are a lot of complications that can happen when you're injecting. The other is our CRNA income affords us the ability to branch into a business like this. Um, I'll just share, because I am one of those people that are painfully honest, possibly to a fault. Um, my business startup was around 30 to 40,000 total products, uh, LLC, bookkeeping, setting up everything. And I floated it. <laughs> I did a little bit at a time. I did not take out a business loan. So I think CRNAs are, are fortunate that Unfortunately, it takes money to make money. <laughs> yeah. And um, there is an advantage for CRNAs interested in this business, but expect it to be a new career. Like Sharon asked, um, yes, I took the basic course, but I am constantly taking courses. This is not a one and done career. This is a new career. You are constantly taking new advanced techniques courses. You are constantly in training. Sometimes the representatives of the different manufacturers will offer some free trainings um, and you can get some training that way. But um, 
it certainly won't happen overnight. And um, as we talked about in the business section, feeling a little bit like an imposter, I'll, I'll use an example of calling Jeremy. <laughs> and I wanted to have that conversation with him. I think I'm at that point that I can cut back my anesthesia hours. So I want to run some numbers by you and I want to talk to you about this. And here's where imposter syndrome comes in. Jeremy asked me probably a very basic question for him. I don't know, what are your profit margins or something? And I <laughs> had no idea how to calculate it. So when I talk about not understanding business, I mean not understanding business. Um, I know how to calculate a profit margin now. Um, so it's still a constant learning process. But I was fortunate when I took Suzanne's class that she recommended a system called Profit First. And I'm just going to mention it quickly because it's a money management system. So for me, I have six different bank accounts. I have my operating expenses. I have my owner's compensation, what I'm paying myself. I have my profit, which is separate and not touched, and a separate account for my taxes. So I wasn't able to answer Jeremy's question, and I felt really stupid and like a beginner and imposter. However, I did know where my money was. And I yep. did have an idea of how much I was making every day and how much I could pay myself um, for a day doing aesthetics. Yep. And I knew that I was at this juncture that I could um, decrease my anesthesia hours. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little more. Too. And yeah. how far down the road were you in your journey when you were able to decrease your anesthesia hours? Was it six months, seven months? About a year. A year. So I, I opened on November 4th last year and I am. And that was 2020. 2020. Okay. I am officially transitioning to per diem anesthesia on December the 18th. So I would say it took about two months for my business, just seeing clients to be profitable enough that I was not supplementing with my anesthesia income anymore. So by month three, I was totally making enough money to pay my rent, to buy supplies, to have my operating expenses. That does not mean that I paid off the 30, 40,000 that I had sure. already invested. <laughs> yeah. However, I was making profit. The yeah. only thing limiting me from making more profit was anesthesia work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. But like, aesthetics does take some, some time. I mean, yeah. it's not you like build you a clientele. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not like you can pop in and just say, Hey, I'm going to put you to sleep and you go to sleep. I mean, wow. there's a, a little bit of love that's got to go along. There's a lot of hand-holding share yes. in the yes. aesthetics industry. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you know, I've done a, a, a fair amount of working in plastics, and it, it's, a, it's a certain clientele. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. That, that is the truth. Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk about some of the limitations around being a CRNA and performing aesthetics and owning a business. We kind of touched on it in the beginning. Is there anything else you'd like to add to that? Oh, boy, this topic. I am a fierce CRNA advocate. AANA member since I was a student, never lapsed, never will lapse. I'm sure I will be an emeritus member. Um, so huge variations. So state by state, first thing I would say is for CRNAs to download your Nurse Practice Act, all 150 plus pages of it, read it line by line. So I'll give you some examples of variations. You heard about me in Washington. I open a business. I am my own medical director. I can be a medical director for another RN or esthetician that wants to open a practice. I have two very dear CRNA friends in two different states that both opened about the same time as me. And we've really collaborated together. We formed our little trio of friendship. So my friend, Linda Lindy in Florida, shout out to her. She owns Maravisa Wellness and Aesthetics. Um, she can inject in Florida as an ARNP, 
However, in that state, ARMPs have full practice authority, except for CRNAs. <laughs> so um, she is exempt from the full practice authority and has to have a medical director. Hmm. Um, her medical director is an anesthesiologist. Um, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about how states are different again. So Linda was told in the state of Florida, if you're going to have an aesthetics practice, you have to have a dermatologist or a plastic surgeon as your medical director. Um, interestingly, another side note, an RN cannot inject in Florida. So there are no RN. Well, I won't say there are no RN injectors. Yeah. They have to physically be one-to-one direct supervision. So oh. it just sounds pra- like Florida. They're so, <laughs> they're so backwards. It, it practically never happens because it just doesn't make any sense financially to have a nurse and the plastic surgeon physically right. observe them do the injection. Right. Um, however, Linda went to a great uh, medical attorney in Florida and her business is wellness. As soon as wellness was incorporated into her business, now it could be any physician could be her medical director. Hence, the anesthesiologist is her medical director. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Um, State by state. So then I'll tell you a little bit about my friend, Michelle Dayday. I'll give a shout out to her because she and I went to anesthesia school together. She's one of my best buds. She's in Virginia, uh, Virginia Beach area, and she owns Aria Nouveau Aesthetics and Wellness. So Michelle injects as an ARMP. And again, I think ARMPs have full practice in um, Virginia after two years of practice. So um, Michelle, but there in her state, there are not the same limitations that it has to be a plastic surgeon or a dermatologist. So one of her gastroenterologists is her medical director. Um, And I will tell you a shout out to my friend, Michelle. She is so committed to this business, Sharon, and being an entrepreneur that she is currently in school for her FNP because she wants to work two years and then be her own medical director of her own Mm. business. Well, you know, some anesthesia schools, uh, Wake was included. I don't know where they are on that was to combine and you would be an NP and a CRNA whenever you get through. How cool would that be? That would be amazing. So I will say the big lesson here, AANA advocacy. I can't stress it enough. It's surprising to me how many people don't understand that it's the AANA that are the advocates for us and our ability to do things. And every state's win or loss sets a precedent for the rest of the country. Um, I know Oklahoma just had a big win. And this applies not just to doing aesthetics. This applies to AA legislation. Um, It's coming through here to Washington, which we thought it would never happen. Even um, physicians' assistants doing anesthesia has come across the table um, here in Washington. So it is AANA that is the, the company, the organization that fights for your right to practice. I would not have full practice authority without AANA's support. Well, interestingly, you were talking about Florida's practice. Guess what state has the lowest joining rate of the AANA? Florida. Is it really? I didn't know that. Yes. And it's each state, you you know, North Carolina has a very high joining rate. Yes, they do. And it's higher than the the national average. We've been trending downward for a number of years for various reasons. But whenever I first got out of school, 96% of all nurse anesthetists belong to the AANA. And it's been trending down by half a percent. We've been watching this for years, and it's happening in a lot of other organizations. But we still have the highest joining rate. Now, my personal opinion is, if you're not a member of the AANA, you're riding on my coattails. You're riding on Mary Ann's coattails. You're riding on all the coattails of the people who are members. I will tell you a good friend of mine that I went to anesthesia school with was president of Florida 
whenever I was president of the AANA. And whenever they would call the office, a CRNA would call the office. Number, number one thing, are you a member? And if they are not a member, I'm sorry, we can't help you. Mm. I mean, I love that he did that. Actually, that's pretty brilliant. There were a few incidences, even in aesthetics, uh, and I I still see it in some of the aesthetics forums I am in, where it seems that people want to reach out to the Board of Nursing. They want to reach out to the Board of Nursing for help or advocacy. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say, I want to make it clear that the Board of Nursing is an entity designed to protect the public, not to advocate for you and your profession. Um, And I don't recall which state it was, but there were some ARMPs that were fighting with their board of nursing, trying to advocate to allow them to do aesthetics as an ARMP in what was a little bit of a gray area, but they kept pushing the board of nursing for an answer. And I'm afraid the board of nursing's ruling was not in their favor. And now it is very black and white and against what they wanted. So I like to tell people, if there's something you want to fight for with the Board of Nursing, call the AANA first. (laughs) Make sure they have your back. And this industry is not very well regulated, sadly, but there is this company called AMSPA, like American Medical Spa Association. And they're trying to become the regulators of the aesthetics industry. You're going to hear a lot of similarity to the ASA here. (laughs) They are advocating heavily and trying to pass laws making physician-only owned aesthetics practices, that it has to be a physician. Um, They're really working hard in Texas right now. And again, it's the same for me, the advocacy issue. If this gets passed in Texas, now a precedent is is set. And it's going to come to other states. So I hope that as an ARMP, I will still be able to do aesthetics in a couple of years. But they are not very friendly to any non-physician aesthetics practitioners, so much so that, that when I contacted them initially, not understanding they are the equivalent of the ASA, they essentially told me that I would be in breach of practice if I opened a place, I really needed physician oversight and um, their lawyer was pushing that. And that's not the case in my state. (laughs) Wow. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. So Marianne, what, uh, let's kind of talk about uh, rewards, challenges, you know, what has been, what has been the best reward and your biggest challenge outside of just starting a business in the aesthetics business so far? My biggest reward is indeed, it's the schedule flexibility and the ability to make a lucrative income. No, I'm, I'm still not quite replacing my anesthesia income. I have days that I certainly do, um, but I have days that I don't. I get cancellations. My clients, I may have a couple Botox clients. That's not an anesthesia replacing income day. Right. Um, now, if I happen to get a day that I have lots of lip filler and facial rejuvenation, well, that replaces my anesthesia income on that day. So what is my biggest reward is... My anesthesia days, we all know what they are like. Alarm at 4.45, out the door somewhere around 5.30, don't get home till six o'clock at night. My aesthetics days go like this. Get up, have coffee with my husband, go to physical therapy, ride my Peloton for half an hour, (laughs) come home, take a shower, get dressed, 
go to my office at whatever time I decide I'm starting to see clients that day and stop working at whatever time I decide I'm going to stop seeing clients that day. It's up to me um, how much money I want to make that day. Um, So I really enjoy that flexibility. The um, biggest challenge is time. Uh, especially having started a business. I'm just at that precipice right now. Yes, I started this business with the goal to have more schedule flexibility, but I'm not going to lie. For the last year, I've worked seven days a week. I've worked full-time anesthesia. I'm doing the business on the side. I'm seeing clients on Saturday. I had a physical setback and had surgery in June. I had to close my office July in August and just started seeing clients again in September. My shout out to Profit First, I had plenty of money to cover my expenses in my uh, while I was out, but I'm just at that point of starting to see the fruits of my labor, but it was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of hard work. Yeah. Well, I guess the question is, would you do it all over again? Yes, ma'am, in a heartbeat. Okay. Well, it's just like being a CRNA. It's the hardest thing you ever do, but 88% of nurse anesthetists would go back and do it all over again. Yes. And I I am staying a CRNA and I am going to continue doing anesthesia because I love it. Mm, Join the crowd. And I'm a fierce advocate and I'm fortunate. I do work in an all CRNA group, uh, independent practice in Washington, and uh, we cover multiple sites. I get to do a lot of orthopedics. I I do ultrasound guided regional anesthesia independently. um, And I want to keep that skill. Um, I'm fortunate to have gotten that skill. Um, So it's really important to me, as well as just the reward of full practice authority. So regardless, even if I transition to a little less anesthesia, that might give me more time to be more of an AANA advocate. All there right. You go. There you go. We like that. So tell us a little bit about your social media branding. You said you outsourced it, but you probably started out on your own to begin with. I did. And it was horrendous. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I did a couple posts. I had to learn about all the apps to create the posts. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't have any knowledge on hashtags and how to gain followings and how to gain clients. And um, there's a CRNA that had an IV wellness and ketamine clinic uh, in Washington state, not in my area. And I was looking at her social media. So I reached out to her and I said, who do you use? You know, your posts are so pretty. They look so nice. It looks like you have curated hashtags. So she told me who she used and I used them and they created very nice posts that were branded and um, professional with great content. But after about six months, I think maybe I was starting to outgrow them a little bit. They made beautiful posts, but there wasn't marketing. There wasn't strategy. There wasn't Google. I have made some big mistakes I will make some more mistakes, I am sure. And some of them have been costly. Um, I have a new social media marketing strategy firm, and I outsource that, which allows me to do more growth within my business because I don't have time. I mean, as of right now, I'm still working full-time anesthesia and doing my business on the side. So one lesson I learned the hard way with my first company, I set up a website. Well, they set it up for me and it was on Squarespace. So when I started asking about search engine optimization and how do I move up the Google algorithm and how do I do this? I found out from my friend Linda in Florida, she was using an organization um, called Innovant U Solutions. Irina, shout out to her. Uh, She's in Massachusetts and that's who I hired. And one of the first things I learned the hard way, why are you on Squarespace? If you want to be on the Google algorithm, you have to be on WordPress. Well, do you think a CRNA would know that? I mean, come on. (laughs) So there are, there it's, there's so much to learn. It's worth the expense. I know at first it seems like a big expense, but by having that outsourced, I get clients. Um, The biggest marketing 
truly, honestly, is word of mouth. Uh, Facebook groups, mom's Facebook groups and things like that. And Instagram, the website, I don't know that the website gets you clients, but you need a nice website because it just makes you legit. When someone sees your name, they Google you and they look through your website, but you don't generally get clients. So I don't think you have to be too crazy about your website, but boy, Facebook, Instagram, you, my, my marketing company goes in and engages with local people and businesses. Sometimes I don't know who's talking to friends of mine. They may have answered my friend. (laughs) Um, but it's great. I mean, I get clients and my, and my business is, is building and they knew exactly what to do. And I'm getting a lot on good, when I ask my clients when they come in and I'm getting many more folks saying, I Googled, you know, Botox near me, filler near me, and your name yeah. came up and then I read the reviews. And so it's really mar- social media and marketing is a specialty unto itself. Just like you wouldn't want someone not trained in anesthesia doing your anesthesia you don't want a CRNA doing your social media. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I always tell people, you know, I can do what I do, but if I did what you did, people would die. Yeah, there's no doubt. <laughs> well, Jeremy, I'm glad you do what you do because it helps me do what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Marion. And as we kind of wrap up here, anything you want to conclude on or kind of get across to our listeners? Absolutely. AANA advocacy. Um, I, I think that's just so important because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for those who fought for the ability to have full practice in my state. I'm fortunate I'm in Washington and I, I'm able to do that. There are loopholes absolutely for um, CRNAs that want to do this in more restrictive states. It doesn't limit you. Um, Kelly Hermans in Michigan has a very very lucrative practice, and she has a medical director. There are ways to advance in this business. The sky's the limit. You just have to decide for yourself what you're wanting. Are you want a little wanting a little fun money, or do you really want to make a career out of this? But if you do make a career out of this, understand it's a career, and you're going to be investing money. And I've been fortunate. So after a year, I'll tell you a little bit where I'm at right now. You know I'm going per diem. I'm hiring a nurse in about a, within the month, she will be hourly. I plan on probably having another nurse in about the spring, summer. So as of right now, I'm a one man show. I'm the scheduler. I'm the cleaning lady. (laughs) So once I have a nurse coming in, I'm going to, I will have two rooms running. I'm going from one room to a three room space, possibly another bigger space. That means I'm probably going to have a front desk person coming soon. Mm -hmm. Um, It's absolutely possible. And I I feel really blessed to have this business right now uh, because it really all started with a change in my life. I'm 56, like I said. So I have grown sons. I have grandchildren. And if my son, he's in the army, go army. Um, If he has to go deploy or he needs to suddenly go out into the field and grandma needs to come in and take care of those babies, I just close my office and I go take care of those babies. I don't have to request time off. I don't have to see if it gets approved. Um, I think I'm just in that stage of my life and career that right now I need more schedule flexibility. And it's just where I'm at, even physically after surgery. I did mention I had surgery and had a setback. I had a transferaminal disc herniation um, and I had a microdiscectomy, laminectomy, and I have continued left foot drop. Mm. So I'm going to physical therapy. Try going to physical therapy when you work anesthesia. Forget that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's almost been divinely inspired that everything has just lined up that this is a yes for me. And I I tend to have that intuition that when it's a yes, I go for it. Just like moving to Washington. I, (laughs) I I go for it. (laughs) Well, Marianne, I will say there's a, there's a great book for um, where you're, beginning your new journey and hiring people and so forth. It's called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. 
Um, and he talks about why most small businesses fail. And the reason is because, you know, most of us are technicians. We know what we do and we can do it well. But when you start to add all the other things, doing the accounting, being an HR person, being an employer, mm-hmm. doing QuickBooks, you know, marketing and all these other hats that you have to wear as a business owner, that's where things, that's where the wheels start to come off. And, you know, his big thing in this book is how to systematize and he uses Ray Kroc and McDonald's as an example. Um, so, you know, where you're headed is, uh, that'd be a great read for you. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I just wrote that down and it'll be on my Kindle within the hour. <laughs> Because that's how I roll. I don't mess around. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, listen, we want to thank you for being on the show. Thank you for all the, the good work you've done over the years for CRNAs and being that advocate. I know when you were in Virginia, you were very, very active there. And um, we want to thank you. And I'm sure our listeners would want to thank you as well for all you've done and continue to do to support CRNAs around the country. And, um, and big shout out to thank you for being on the show. Oh, well, you are too kind. And I, I like I said, I really feel humbled. I'm, I'm really pretty new at this. And we have some experts that uh, far exceed my experience in this uh, arena. Um, but I also, if I could take one minute, I'm going to really thank you and Sharon for Beyond the Mass podcast. I am really enjoying it. So I loved the historical Annie Penland recently. Um, that was just amazing. And my husband's parents spend their Florida summers in Hendersonville, right outside of mm-hmm. Asheville. Yep. So I am yep. looking forward to checking out her little monument. Um, yeah. And I just, that was just so interesting. And look at where we are, right? right. Repeating the same pattern again. Same oh, thing. Boy, it was okay for CRNAs to practice at the top of their license back then. And here we are again in a pandemic. And guess what? We're going to revert right back to the same old restrictions. Here we go again. Let's not let history repeat itself. And I was especially intrigued and I apologize. I don't remember the gentleman's name. It was a great one. He was talking about stimulators and things like that. Adam Flow. Adam Flow. Like I said, I worked in neurosurgery and right before anesthesia school, I was a research nurse uh, in neurosurgery with our uh, functional neurosurgeon. And I participated in one of the biggest VA funded studies comparing globus pallidus and subthalamic nucleus uh, deep brain stimulation for Parkinson's disease syndromes. And right when I had left being a research nurse to get back into the ICU so I could strengthen my application to anesthesia school, they were just starting to talk about how they were starting in Europe doing some uh, OCD with deep brain stimulation. And he talked about that as well. Yeah. So who knows where this is going, That's but that, right. that was fascinating as well. And I get class B credits. That's win, right. win. <laughs> That's and right. You just self-report. It's awesome. I know. And I'm so surprised. I, I've sent a couple CRNA friends podcasts and I'm sorry, but some of them don't even know it's there. And I'm like, you can get free CDs. <laughs> I send it out to my group all the time. Just listen to this on your way to work. Yeah. Get your free class B's. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for supporting us too. And, um, Again, I'm sure you and I will be talking soon. And, we will. Uh, we will. We want to, to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you like our show and you want to help us out, Sharon, how can they help us out? Well, leave us a rating, but make sure that it is positive. We got enough negativity in this world. Absolutely. All right. Until Tell all time. your friends. That's right. Tell all your friends. And what's your famous saying now, you know? What did we learn? Well, which, which, <laughs> come on, Sharon. boy, I have never seen you lost for words in my entire life. <laughs> Download us. There you go. <laughs> we don't get credit if we're not downloaded. That sounds a little strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Sharon. Until next time. It's a wrap.
Have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years? You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim, and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com or call him at 504-394-6557. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855 855- 304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.